feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. There were some explosive comments. You could see some explosive video. But the January 6th hearings in prime time tonight basically showed that, yeah, maybe President Trump made some poor decisions, clearly, on January 6th. But the question is, were they criminal? Were they just stupid decisions that basically if you put somebody away for stupidity, President Biden would be in prison maybe the rest of his life? Because, boy, has he made some crazy, crazy decisions in his day. And obviously, bad choices, uh, scary moments. But the question is, did they make the case that the president is criminally responsible and connecting the dots that he purposely basically almost brought the mob to the Capitol, that he orchestrated it? They talked about the seven-point plan. And then basically, after all of that, they said it was a step-by-step-by-step, and they claimed that he did not deserve to be president of the United States, that he reneged basically on his duties to the Constitution. Take a listen. This is Chairman Betty Thompson. For the weeks between November election and January 6th, Donald Trump was a force to be reckoned with. He shrugged off the factuality and legality, correct, sober advice of his knowledgeable and sensible advisors. Instead, he recklessly blazed a path of lawlessness and corruption, the cost to which democracy be damned. And speaking of damn, Liz Cheney said, boy, the floodgates have opened, but was it all hyperbole? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Liz Cheney and her comment. But in the course of these hearings, we have received new evidence and new witnesses have bravely stepped forward. Efforts to litigate and overcome immunity and executive privilege claims have been successful and those continue. Doors have opened, new subpoenas have been issued, and the dam has begun to break. And the dam has begun to break. So were there any breakthroughs in the dam tonight? Was it all show and tell? They did show one of the low-level people in the press office who basically said, oh, I told the president to do this. I'm going to just tell you one thing. It obviously doesn't paint a pretty picture of what President Trump should have done and maybe should have responded sooner and said some things differently. On the other hand, I've been in the White House many a time. And a low-level deputy press secretary said, oh, I told her to tell the president, and then the president did this. Are you kidding me? So we're going to poke holes in a lot of the testimony that we heard tonight, and I want to hear your thoughts on where it goes from here. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And now we have some big news on President Biden. Breaking news. And, of course, the other big story tonight is certainly the health of President Biden because a big stunner today that he is now 
being diagnosed with the coronavirus, with COVID-19. And joining us now is our newsman, Bob Brown. Bob, what a stunning news day. And what's the latest, too, with President Biden? Okay, the latest with President Biden, he's resting comfortably at home. He's in isolation, uh, presumably at the White House. Uh, He felt fatigue, runny nose, dry cough. But, um, Jill, as you heard, uh, the first lady says he's doing fine. As a matter of fact, he posted a Twitter a few hours back, like five, six hours ago outside the White House that um, you heard. You heard the news, folks, and I'm doing fine. And keep the faith up and he seems to be OK. The uh, White House doctors are saying, especially uh, Dr. Uh, Ja, he is the um, COVID-19 response coordinator. Dr. Shisha says the good news is he's double vaccinated. So his symptoms right now are mild, and they should continue that way. So there's no real risk of things getting worse because he is uh, double vaccinated. And then the president says he's continuing to work. Uh, The first lady says she tested negative. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris also uh, said she tested negative. Uh, The White House Press Secretary, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, says uh, there's no concerns about the president not going through with his duties uh, you, he's the president. He can work from anywhere and rest assured that he could still and will perform uh, his duties. But again, symptoms are, are mild, but you have to take into account his age. He's 79 years old. He's the second sitting president to have COVID outside of uh, President Trump. So there is natural concern. All this, when you think about it, coming off the cancer uh, remark he made yesterday in Somerset, Massachusetts, which caught most people by surprise. What? Where? The skin cancer? Uh, he was treated for before he assumed office. So uh, I guess you can say the last couple of days has been a health watch for the uh, for the president. Yeah, it sure has. And, you know, Bob, he's on. Um, they put him on this uh, very uh, new, new FDA approved Paxlovid, which is Paxlovid, right, yes, which right, is an exactly. antiviral. And they said, what, like five days, basically, he has to be out of commission. I think it is. Um, you know, you brought up because of his age. He's 78. Um, he's also um, he has atrial fibrillation. He's got a couple other health issues. So it is a concern just because of his age and the situation. Uh, so people are watching closely. But, you know, it, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. He is double vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's double boosted. Um, but yet still here it is. Right. Right. And, you know, um, listen, every case is unique. But we hear lately that most of the of the cases, especially with the variants making the round and all of that, most of the symptoms people are are experiencing are on the minor side. I'm not saying there aren't cases out there that, you know, are very serious and all that. But at least we can say this is not the beginning of the pandemic when people's lives are on the line in the hospitals. So it's a little bit different, I think. And absolutely. While I have you here, Bob Brown, um, on the Rita Cosby show, so much happening Um a uh, wild story um, and a, another sort of crazy thing that happened. Lee Zeldin, uh, New York gubernatorial candidate, Lee Zeldin, uh, was what, attacked at a campaign event just a little bit ago? He was at the VFW in Pirenton. That's a suburb of Rochester. He was giving a speech, and according uh, to WROC-TV up there, the uh, local affiliate, and a man went on stage, began yelling, wrestled with him a bit, and pulled out a blade uh, the alleged attacker was suppressed by AMVETS National Red Director Joe Schnenley. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office said he was taken into custody. A witness who was with Zeldin after the attack said he was not hurt and supposedly he took the stage again when it was over. I used to live in Rochester. I used to work out at the Pirenton uh, Recreation Oh, Center. so you know yeah. it well. Thank goodness he's okay that he got yeah. on the stage yeah. and finished the event. Yeah.
Thank goodness. According to the witness, right? Bob, thank you. We mm-hmm. always love having you here. Our great newsman, Bob Brown. Thank you very Feelings much. mutual. Thank you very thank much. You. Great to have Bob here. Boy, what a busy news day, guys. What are your thoughts, first off, as we're talking about Biden? Uh, sadly, what we just heard about Lee Zeldin, uh, just how dangerous things are. They also just canceled, by the way, a David Chappelle event not that long ago because of pressure and comments coming about that uh, over uh, in the United States. And now... The big dog and pony show that is the January 6 hearings wrapping up in prime time this phase. They said they're going to continue in September when they file their report. So do they have the goods on this president or is it all smoke and mirrors, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Craig, line four. Craig, your thoughts about what you've been hearing tonight. Um, My thoughts are the whole thing was on purpose by Pelosi and it was a January 6th. Entrapment. That's what it was. They 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 took their crony FBI and they planted bombs and they, but they didn't need those, so they picked them up. But they can't find the guy that did that. Wait, wait, wait. So hang on one sec, Craig. So you think it's a, like sort of a setup? Is that what you think the whole thing was? Sort of a setup? What against Trump? Is that what you believe now? Oh, definitely. It was uh, Pelosi and Schumer had two days to stop this. And all they had to do was bring in a thousand troops, a thousand men. But they did nothing on purpose. They rigged it with the FBI is in on it. They're their cronies, and they the only people they protect are Biden and themselves. They're they're nothing but bad people. Now, bad. Craig, let me ask you: Do you believe when you say that? And obviously, you know, uh, it's your thoughts, uh, but. Do you base that? Are you talking about specifically the request that now it's been I think it's like half a dozen people that were in this meeting with President Trump, apparently on January 4th, where he asked for the National Guard to come out and a number of people to come out to the Capitol. That was not brought up today. And in fact, what was really interesting, Craig, um, if this is what you're touching on, because I was thinking about this tonight as I was watching the hearings very intently. In the hearing, they brought up what he did on January 6th at that moment during January 6th. And they claimed the people that they spoke to, or at least they played, you know, a lot of it is selective editing. Who knows, you know, but the parts they played clearly showed that he did not on January 6th. But I did notice that they didn't go into, hey, well, did he ever before January 6th ask for extra security? Didn't he extra do X? Didn't he do Y? Did somebody else tied to him ask for security? They never asked that. Um, is that are you referring to sort of that meeting where he asked for the National Guard? Apparently, according to six other people who were in that meeting on January fourth. Yep, the ball was in her court, and she deliberately, her and Schumer, knew that they could entrap these people, and that's exactly what they did. They put Antifa and Black Lives Matter at the front of the pact as a catalyst to wave everybody in with the FBI, to open up the doors, to pull the guards back on purpose. This is a, a blatant, this is entrapment on purpose. And all these people, these are the true patriots of America that they entrapped because they knew that they were worked up and everything. And this is all on her, every bit of blood is on her hands. The well, and, people- and you know what, Craig, we don't know what 
happened with that because that's the one reason that, and I've said this, Craig, that they've really done a disservice in the sense that, boy, I would like to know exactly what happened with that. I wish that, like, Nancy Pelosi was being called. I wish that Capitol Security was being called because there are now, it's like half a dozen people that were in a meeting that say they were in this meeting on January 7th where the president specifically said, yes, absolutely, I would like the National Guard because there's going to be a lot of people out there. It was a natural reaction. And to me, I actually think that's extremely helpful to President Trump because if you're planning some riot to take over the Capitol, the last thing you're going to do is call out and ask for the National Guard a few days before. And because they say that happened, what did Nancy Pelosi do with that request? What did the Capitol Police do with that request? We're not allowed to hear it. And why is that? That, to me, is an enormous disservice to the American public because I really want to know what happened. Where did it get lost? Where are the texts from her where they said, hey, you know, he's calling for the National Guard a couple days before? Denied? Or, oh, I never saw it? What, what's the answer to that? I hope we get to the bottom of that because that, to me, right away says this was somebody who cared about security. And today they made it sound like, ah, he didn't care. He was, like, wanting them to storm the Capitol and do all these things. That doesn't go with the fact that apparently to these six people who are in this meeting that he was asking for National Guards by the tens of thousands. That doesn't work. So which one is true? Somebody's lying here. And, boy, um, you know, uh, it's a huge disservice to the American public. We're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, a lot of people couldn't be cooled down on January 6th, but... Does that make their actions illegal? Obviously, the ones who broke into the Capitol and destroyed property or harmed somebody. Yeah, that is illegal. That's not appropriate. Um, But what did you hear from the January 6th hearings tonight in primetime? Was there any big bombshell that actually shows that President Trump, as Liz Cheney described it, had a seven-point plan to do this? Do this, do this, do this, then bring the mob to the Capitol and almost basically open the doors himself. That's basically what they have to prove. And the question is, did they do that? Well, joining us now is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon, one of the great investigative journalists out there by far. And, John, thank you so much for joining us on such a big night. Well, glad to join you. It is a big and busy news night for sure. Yeah, it is. It's never boring, by the way, here on the Rita Cosby Show. You know that. That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. What did you make of the hearings first off? Um, You know, because they had a lot of, uh, you know, hyperbolic words, um, a lot of uh, selective editing, I will contend. Was there anything that moved the dial? I don't think so, and I don't think many people were tuned in tonight. I think they tuned these out a while ago because they recognize these hearings to be basically un-American. There's no chance for someone to defend themselves. There's no due process. It's a kangaroo court, and I think that uh, after the first couple of uh, hearings, most people uh, tuned out and moved on to other things. Their summer plans. They're more worried about putting gas in their tank than they are about 
during another effort by Democrats to smear Donald Trump. Here's the big thing. I think that the hearings began and ended without answering this question. And I think you just had a great discussion on the radio about this. If Donald Trump wanted to incite violence that day, why did he authorize the 10,000 National Guard troops? And no one, no Democrat, no Liz Cheney, no Adam Kinzinger could answer that question. And tomorrow, I'm going to make public a document. It's a Pentagon memo. It's one that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. We all have heard about the January 5th meeting in the White House with Cash Patel and Chris Miller and the president authorizing up to 10,000 or 20,000 troops to be available. But two days earlier on January 3rd, so three days before the riot uh, occurred, the president met with two people, the defense secretary, Chris Miller, and General Milley, Mark Milley, the uh, joint chairman of the chiefs of staff. And in that meeting, according to Milley, in an interview he gave the Pentagon inspector general, Milley says that the president specifically instructed he and Miller to make sure that the January 6th event was safe. He said there's going to be a lot of people there. There are going to be protesters. It's going to be unrest. Make sure you do everything you need to do to make sure it is safe. And that includes if you need troops, you've got them. All right. So hang so on, John. Just- John, I got to interrupt you because that's actually really yeah. significant. So you're saying that on January 3rd, uh, which is earlier than we've heard, um, right. is it a document that, that shows? Because as we all know, too, by the way, Milley is no friend, really, to President Trump, as you heard from yeah. you know some they of his comments. Right. Yeah, they have their disagreements. So this is a, a witness that doesn't have any reason to throw shade or, you know, positive uh, information towards the president. He states that in this January 3rd meeting with him and uh, Millie, uh, Millie and uh, Chris Miller, that uh, the president and it was a meeting about something else. It had to do with other national security matters. That at the end of the meeting, the president brought up this thing, said, listen, there can be a lot of protesters here, potential for problems. Do what it takes to make sure this is safe. This memo is a is a, a, a written by the inspector general of the Pentagon, the chief watchdog of the Pentagon, uh, enumerating all the things that the Pentagon did to try to help the Capitol Police before and after the riots. And this little anecdote uh, midway through the uh, uh, memo has been overlooked by most people, but it is a significant statement, a statement of mind of where the president was. The president wanted a safe event. That's not someone trying to incite violence when he tells the Pentagon, use whatever forces you need to make this a safe event. That's the sort of thing that this hearing didn't bring out because there was no opposition, because there was no due process, because there were no Republicans appointed by the Republican leader on the committee. Wow, that's really, and that's in documentation that you're going to put out tomorrow. Wow. You're going to see the direct quote, and people can hold the memo and read it for themselves and make up their own mind. But uh, General Milley, you know, we've known generally that he said, yeah, the president was in favor of troops. This is a very specific statement by the president uh, that Milley recounts in this interview with uh, with the Pentagon Inspector General. And it's a, it's a question or a fact that the Democrats have made no offer to contradict or to even explain. Why would the president give troops if he wanted to incite violence? Um, it's going to be one of the enduring legacies. And I think later on, the big question is going to be the stuff I've been reporting for the last six weeks. How did all of these warnings come into a $600 million a year Capitol Police force and they not – uh, up their security, not have their A game on January 6th, not take advantage of the troops that were offered by Trump, not even have their riot teams, their specialized riot teams, fully active and ready that day. That answer, I believe, is going to be the key that history will remember about January 6th, the security failure at one of our largest and most important 
institutions. And, and let me ask you the obvious question. Um, why do you think they didn't have the security? You've got the president saying, I want it to be safe. Um, I've even said when you have such a huge rally, uh, even if it's like, uh, you know, thousands of grandmothers, I want a lot of security. Um, we just have about 30 seconds left, uh, John. But yeah. why do you think? Why do you think that, that is? Pentagon memo, that memo that I'm going to make public tomorrow or show everyone tomorrow, it, is, it has a, a, some insights, which is that the Democrats on the Hill and the police were worried that the presence of military would make it look like a coup was occurring at the Capitol. They were worried about the optics instead of the security. Wow, that is really interesting. Powerful stuff. John, you always get the best stuff. Thank you so much for being here on such an important night. We love you and we appreciate you, John Solomon of Just the News. I get you. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. We're going to take your calls, everybody. You just heard John Solomon. Very explosive stuff. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Bedford, Massachusetts, where five officers are being credited for their courageous efforts during a fire in the city earlier this week. On Monday, just before midnight, officers responded to a call of a house fire. And they entered the building to evacuate the restaurant, the rest residents there. Uh, the officers battled the heavy smoke to physically assist and carry out three residents of the home who had been overwhelmed by smoke. Two officers, in fact, were transported to the hospital for smoke inhalation. Luckily, they were later released, said to be doing OK. And the police put out a statement saying it is in no small part to the quick actions of these heroic officers that there were no fatalities, no serious injuries in this incident. As we know, it definitely could have turned very, very tragic. And what a great work by these officers from the Bedford, Massachusetts Police Department. Bravo to them and bravo to all of our great men and women in blue. Well, we're talking about the January 6th hearings because one of the things I thought was really interesting in some of the tweets that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, uh, all these sort of wannabe Democrats, um, were basically saying tonight on the panel was they were trying to kind of parse out different sections. And in one of them, they had a comment where President Trump said, listen, you know, you need to be respectful to the men in uniform. You need to appreciate the men in uniform. Go home. And then they were trying to make the case that on January 6th, during the 187 minutes, three hours, that they say they wanted to know what was the president doing and what was he not doing. And that's where they focused on tonight, basically saying the president's actions and what they say are inactions, they said were, quote, derelictions of his duty. And one of the things that they used as evidence was, President Trump speaking off the cuff in the Rose Garden because everybody, a lot of people were waiting to see what statement is he going to say on camera? What is he going to do? And a number of people at the White House gave him a script and said, "Okay, here's the script. Read the script. The script basically says, you know, please go home, be peaceful. And this is what the president ended up saying. And the committee took issue with it. Take a listen. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had a election. Let me say. 
I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So I contend that was not the best thing for them to play. They said, oh, we gave him a script and he kind of veered off script. And he should have said, yeah, I really want you to go home. Well, he did say go home. I just heard it twice there. And peace, he said twice. I mean, it wasn't there. Where where was the gray? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy on line five. Teddy, your thoughts about this? Oh, Rita, I, I'm really, I'm, I've gotten hoarse by just speaking to you, Rita, because let me make my points and then you could take over because it's your show, as you say, have said before. Rita, you're ignoring all of his his aides, his family. Donald Trump Jr. said to uh, Meadows, tell him to get F on the mattress. You heard this. You heard the woman who worked for him, and she resigned. It's all, there's always overwhelming preponderance of evidence. Rita, if you don't recognize this, if you honestly can't say that President Trump, former President Trump, instigated this and caused this, you should resign and never, ever become a journalist on the radio again. The people at Bronx Community College in the history department and the political science department, they have heard you. I've had told them, I've sent them emails about you. They have emailed Teddy, me Teddy, Teddy, they, I really don't care. You should never uh, be Teddy, on the radio Teddy, again. Teddy, Teddy, you should never be calling into the radio again when you're like all over the place. I hear from all sides on this show. And that's why I took your call, because I like to hear from all sides. Two things I said. And first off, you know, you claim to be an educated man, so let's try to talk with you on an educated level. If you can calm down, that would be a good thing. So two things. I heard what they said about all these people telling him, yes, he should go out there and do those things. They absolutely did. You are correct on those points. And Do I think that he should have gotten out there sooner and told people to go home and do things? Yes. But I also started the show right away, and I hope that you heard me say this, that the question is, it's not bad choices. I don't applaud the fact that he didn't get out there sooner. I agree he should have gotten out there sooner. It would have been great if he had gotten out there sooner. It would have been great if a lot of people got out there sooner. There's a thousand percent. I I absolutely agree with you on that. I also think what you just heard from John Solomon is pretty revealing, too. 
because John Solomon just said that President Trump was party to a discussion on January 3rd where he had advised Milley, who is no friend of President Trump's, and also Chris Miller, who was then defense secretary. This was three days before January 6th, where he said, please make sure the event is safe. Do whatever you can to make sure the event is safe. We also know there was another meeting, according to six other people, who said that he had asked for up to 10, potentially 20,000 National Guard, according to John Solomon, who is an investigative journalist. I'm sure you'll take issue with him, too, Ted, because you seriously, obviously, have a problem with a lot of people. But he just said, I asked him, if you just heard, why were those requests denied? He said that according to this memo that he has, and let's see, but John's always seemed to be following through with everything. He's a very reputable journalist. He said that the Democrats feared and Capitol Police that it would look bad if they had law enforcement there because then it would be justifying a rally, that it would look more like a coup. So if you listen to all these things, it sounds like a lot of people dropped the ball because had there been 10,000 National Security National Guard that day, it would have been a very different story. So how come we're not hearing from Nancy Pelosi? What I'm saying to you, Ted, is that there needs to be all sides of the story. You got to be fair to everybody. There's no cross-examination here. I'd like to know that aspect too, because I don't like what happened January 6th. Neither do you, neither does, I don't think any American does. But the point is, does it rise to the level of him actually fueling the flames and actually literally having a seven-point plan to have them riot the Capitol, as opposed to making statements that people who believed in Trump went and rioted. Because if that's the standard, Ted, I want to play something for you. Because if that's the standard, that's the problem here. You get into murky waters. I want to play what Chuck Schumer said on Capitol. This is, this is, he was on front of the Supreme Court. Let's not forget this statement because this sounded a lot more incendiary than anything I just heard in the last few hours out of President Trump's mouth in the January 6th hearings. Take a listen. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. So, Ted, back to you. Now we have somebody who actually showed up outside of Kavanaugh's house and was ready to basically assassinate him, how could you, maybe we go over after Schumer. I'm just actually saying it's a dangerous slope that bad words and words that rile up crowds, however they interpret it, if you're going to hold that person responsible, that's a dangerous place and it's a very hard place to prove. What about the guy who opened fire on Steve Scalise, remember at the baseball field, he was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Do you want me to find a comment that Bernie Sanders said that was riling up the crowd, to, to that guy to suddenly go and open fire? That's not fair to Bernie Sanders. I don't, I don't think necessarily Chuck Schumer wanted what happened to Kavanaugh. And I don't think that President Trump wanted any law enforcement hurt or anybody hurt that day. So go ahead, Teddy. Uh, I'm, I'm really sick, but let me ask you for this final question. 
Are you going to support Donald Trump again for re-election, for him to get the nomination? Teddy, 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 you need an epiphany. Two things. I've never, ever said who I voted for, just so you know. So I'm not sure what you think. I'm an independent. I'm a registered independent. So, Teddy, do your research and call back again after you've done more work. But best of luck to you. And I also always love hearing from you. I, I know you've got something in your mind. But you have to step back passionately. You clearly don't like this president, and there has to be a standard. If you're going to go after the president of the United States, including you know any president of the United States, you have to prove X, and you have to have fair standards across the board. That's where I'm coming from. I don't like January 6th. I, when I see the images of, of law enforcement or anybody being hurt, I hate it. But I also see different things when you have to connect the dot to prove a crime. That's where I'm going, Ted. And that's where I'm going. And, and Ted, real quick, I'll give you the last word just because I like you, Ted. Go ahead. I believe, this is my opinion, I believe that Attorney General Garland has sufficient evidence, and I believe that he's going to indict Trump. And, and then we'll go from there. And and then we'll go from there. And let me just, final thing, in Tuesday's news, a clinical psychologist from Washington wrote an editorial about Trump and said he is a clinical psychopath. And he gave reasons. Yeah, I'm sure he did. And then there's a lot of people who say the other thing. That's what America is. It's all sides, Ted. And uh, and that's, a, that's what a good journalist does. Thank you very much, Ted. We appreciate the call. Um, you know, what do you think, everybody? You just heard Teddy. I love hearing from everybody. That's why I welcome the show. I tell everybody it is a town hall. Everybody has different opinions. But I also try to separate fact from fiction. And clearly, Ted just doesn't like this president, but proving a crime. And by the way, Garland may find there's information in his mind to go after a crime. This is also the same attorney general, guys, remember, who called parents domestic terrorists it's the same department of justice so uh there's been a little bit of politics going around here this is the same department of justice who didn't want to condemn remember uh the protesters they haven't arrested the protesters outside of kavanaugh's house and didn't say anything when the guy went after and attacked remember i was planning to kill kavanaugh didn't say anything but then the minute roe v wade came down he spoke out I'm just for fair standards and equal standards. That That's where I am. If you're going to say something on one side, also, you got to also protect justices just because you don't like them, Attorney General, you know, Garland, you know. I mean, so it's a very politicized uh, DOJ. So who knows where it goes? You know, Ted could be right on that part. That's one part I'll give Ted. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Dom. Minnesota, Dom, line five. I, I need a little relief after Ted. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what. I was listening to Ted. I, I really feel sorry for him. But you know, I you know I heard that interview with uh, John Solomon. I think he should be renamed King Solomon the Great. I never knew that piece of information, and that's dynamite. And I think I think if Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger let it come out, I don't know if they're going to or not. But if they let it come out. That's going to make a Republican red wave probably a guaranteed thing. Hopefully, uh, all the news media will pick it up. What do you think? You know what the thing is, Dom? I don't think they will put it out because even the way they were portraying stuff today was very selective editing. 
And and that's what one side does. That's why we really needed a second side in here just to say if that was true or if they left out the most important part. It's like if I gave a sentence to you, and that's my point to Ted, we're not hearing the other side there. And I think it's a great disservice to the American public. Because so how about how about if somebody from our side took the opportunity to leak that information, just like the Democrats do all the time? Because if John Solomon found out about it, somebody else in the administration knows about it. Well, Dom, so and, Dom and probably he's going to he said he's going to release it tomorrow. And uh-huh. what it says is that, as you just said, that it's on January 3rd. There was some meeting where Trump's saying, please make sure it's safe. And it's documented from another witness who was at that meeting. Um, and then there's also another meeting that happened either two days before or one day before. So, I mean, if you have multiple meetings where the president of the United States is asking for security, even if it's once, but at least on one account, it's ten to 20,000. Let's bring out National Guard just to make sure it's a peaceful rally. That doesn't sound like someone who's planning a coup. And the fact that we didn't hear that today, I mean, if they knew that for some reason it wasn't true, if I was Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and I knew that that part wasn't true and that's out there, at least that first, the the meeting, not the earlier one that John just reported, that's a blockbuster because it's a second one now, um, second meeting. But even that one meeting, that would just kill their whole case. And if they knew that it's wrong, Dom, what they should have done was said, hey, there's a report out there. Can you tell me that that's true or not true? And if somebody said, oh, that's a lie, that's not, I would just try to kill it right away. Because the minute you hear that this happened, and now we're hearing two meetings happened, that that to me, how, how does that plan? That's a terrible coup plan, if that's the case. Yeah. And remember, remember I still remember... Trump being, uh, you know, prosecuted for that phone call. And then he said, OK, I'm going to declassify the whole thing. This is this is the same thing. This is what should happen. I hope it happens. And I'm waiting to see that. My, I'm salivating at my mouth from that news. <laughs> Dom, Dom, uh, when you're salivating, that's a good thing. We love you. <laughs> Dom, thank you very much for the call. Uh, we'll talk with you later. We always love having your calls. Everybody will continue with your calls. We have all sides here on the Rita Cosby Show. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Wild up tonight, as he always is. He was losing his voice. He was so angry. My goodness. But I love hearing from everybody here on the show, and I welcome all opinions. And that's what makes, I think, uh, just great. And that's what makes America great. We all have different opinions. And one of the opinions that we heard tonight in the January 6th hearing was Sarah Matthews. She was one of the witnesses who testified. She was a deputy press secretary there. Um, I've I've seen Sarah before. I mean, she's been around the White House for a bit. She was on the campaign for a bit. Um, she was one of sort of the, uh, you know, the deputy press secretaries. There's a whole bunch of them underneath Kelly McEnany. Um, and as you heard, she came to the White House through Kelly McEnany. And Sarah Matthews talked about how she was so upset by one of the things that President Trump tweeted while the riot was taking place. So take a listen to that. This is what she said during her testimony just a little bit ago. 
So it was obvious that the situation at the Capitol was violent and escalating quickly. And so I thought that the tweet about the vice president was the last thing that was needed in that moment. And I, I remember thinking that um, this was going to be bad for him to tweet this because it was essentially him giving the green light to these uh, people, telling them that what they were doing at the steps of the Capitol and entering the Capitol was okay, that they were justified in their anger. And he shouldn't have been doing that. He should have been telling these people to go home and to leave and to condemn the violence that we were seeing. And here's a little bit more of what she had to say about that tweet. Truly latch on to every word and every tweet that he says. And so I think that in that moment for him to tweet out the message about Mike Pence, it was him pouring gasoline on the fire and making it much worse. Bad judgment. Yeah, but I can think of a lot of other things that are bad judgment. What about keeping the border open? What about not locking up repeat offenders? What about saying they should protest and keep on protesting as our cities were burning to the ground? I mean, there's a lot of things that I would say are really bad and incendiary and bad judgment. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil, line two. Phil, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Good evening, Rita. Uh, Bravo on your your. Your abilities as a uh, talk show host, you're really okay. You're top dollar. Um, the Constitution of the United States, the preamble says, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish such and such. The, the point is, uh, what the Democrats have done is they whited out the word we the people. They substituted we the Democratic National Committee. They, they control most of the process, this event that that Trump meant to send a message turned into a nightmare by the negligence of the the people at the Capitol, the security people and others who acted in in, in a way which was clearly criminal. And there was no violence at that thing, save for one casualty, and that was uh, Ashley Babbitt, who was an unarmed individual who simply walked in the building and tried to get out in a hurry and was shot in the head by a uh, Capitol Police officer for no cause. You, you know, what's, by the way, by that, the way, Phil, um, and um, actually, go ahead. Uh, uh, Phil, do me do me a favor. What I'm going to do, because uh, I love you. Would you stay with us? Because I want to carry you over also into the next hour, too, um, sure, because I want to get you. your thoughts. But, but go ahead and continue, and then I'm going to keep you going. But go ahead. Uh, all right. Here's the deal. The, the strategy that Trump employed here was very simple. Send a message. To the Capitol, send a message. What happened is that they, he was sabotaged, sabotaged by the Democrats and their people in power. You see, the Democratic Empire, and I call it an empire, consists of people who have a lot of power and a lot of money, and they want it their way. No way but my way. And uh, Phil, do me a favor, stay with us, Phil. We'll carry you over after the break. We're going to continue talking about January 6th, Teddy, and a whole bunch more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. are listening to the Rita Cosby show. We are talking about the January 6 hearings in prime time and the wannabe Democrats like Adam Kinzinger didn't hold anything back. This is how he summed up all the hearings they've had so far. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. It is a stain on our history. It is a dishonor to all those who have sacrificed and died in service of our democracy. When we present our full findings, we will recommend changes to laws and policies to guard against another January 6th. And listen, I don't think anybody wants to see a January 6 again. But as we just heard from John Solomon, there's a lot of unanswered questions. John Solomon joining us in the last hour saying that he's got details of now, quote, a second meeting that took place where basically Trump was saying he would like a safe and secure protest that day, a rally that day. That's a far different cry than a riot talking about safety, security. And that was, he said, on January 3rd, according to John Solomon. And then another report of an incident on January 4th or 5th with six people in the room have already confirmed that meeting. The reason I bring that up is that was not brought up, needless to say, during the January 6th hearings. Obviously, a lot of things that were said uh, by the president and certainly by a lot of his aides that you, we can all kind of scratch our heads. But at the end of the day, if he was asking for security, not just once but twice in the days leading up to it, doesn't that diffuse the argument that the Democrats, and I say the wannabe Democrats like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, that they say he directly was hoping for the riot. Like the thing they kept saying tonight was – He basically planned this riot because the options in the courts ran out. And so the next option was riot, take over the Capitol, and that riot would delay uh, the votes. But does that reconcile with a person who now we're hearing not once but twice with key officials, meaning Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, who's no fan of Trump's, also uh, then Defense Secretary Chris Miller, Defense Secretary, these are not like peons, these are security people, where the president said, I would like a safe and secure, make sure everything's safe and secure that day. 
So what happened? How come we are not finding out why the Capitol Hill police, according to John Solomon and Nancy Pelosi, or at least Democrats, as he said, um, and she's in charge of Capitol Security, decided that it would not look good to have law enforcement out there, the National Guard at least out there, because then it would look like it was some sort of coup and it turned into something that it wasn't. So that just diffuses the whole argument. Let's see those documents. And if indeed these conversations did happen, that basically rules the whole thing. That shows that there wasn't this big, complicated plan to riot and take over the Capitol. And why are the Democrats not showing us any of this? Why are they not asking those questions? Why have they not called Nancy Pelosi or the Capitol Hill police to ask about these requests? And if it is not true, why are they not refuting it? Because they know a lot of these sort of rumors and different things were out there over the last few months. And now we're hearing more concrete detail in the last few days. And we just heard about this last one from John Solomon in the last hour. So I want to hear your thoughts on all of this, because that's a really badly planned coup. If indeed the president wanted it to be safe and secure, the rally safe and secure. And those requests obviously were not followed through because Democrats and the Capitol Police didn't want it to look like it was sort of a uh, a coup, if you will. He just wanted it to be a peaceful rally, do whatever you can to keep it a peaceful rally. So that basically ruins the whole goal of, quote, intent and plan. And you have to show that. If you're going to go after the president of the United States, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, purple, green, blue, whatever you are, you better have your ducks in order. And the selective editing is not a good thing. Here is Adam Kinzinger, another uh, one of the wannabe Democrats, uh, talking about the fact that the president was told over and over again, listen, you should tell these people to go home. They're listening to you. They they love you. They're your followers, whatever. You should tell them to go home. This is a little bit of the sequence about that. The next action President Trump took was to tweet at 2.24 p.m. What happened during the 35 minutes between his last tweet at 1.49 and 2.24, his staff repeatedly came into the room to see him and plead that he make a strong public statement condemning the violence and instructing the mob to leave the Capitol. He did not relent until after 4 o'clock when he went out to go to the Rose Garden to film his now infamous go home message. And that's exactly it. They made it sound like the president never told them to go home. And here's what he did say. Maybe he should have said it earlier, clearly, but here's what he said. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had a election. Let me see. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. 
I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. And yet they made it sound in early hearings. He never told them to go home. He never told, look, maybe it's not the way you would say it. Maybe it's not the way I would say it. But that is the way President Trump said it. And if you even take the words that they played back, which is sort of the best of what they got, because, you know, there's selective editing. He said it. And it's also in a tweet where he says, go home, go home in peace. So, I mean, you know, definitely not perfect. I'll give you that. But is it where you can say he didn't do this? It's right there. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. And also, I got to play this because Benny Thompson basically made it sound like the January 6th hearings, which now we know, by the way, after tonight, they're going to continue. They're taking a convenient break for August. Isn't that interesting? It's congressional break. That's often when they take a break. So how nice. So they can go on vacation. And what a surprise, surprise, surprise. It's going to be now going into September. Because in September, they plan to file a report to DOJ and and file their, you know, finishing report. And then they may have additional witnesses supporting that report. Isn't that interesting that it's getting a little closer and closer to Election Day in November. Could politics be playing a role here? And also, Benny Thompson didn't rule out that we may be talking about the January 6th hearings for the rest of our lives. Take a listen to what he just said. As we've made clear throughout these hearings, our investigation is going forward. We continue to receive new information every day. We are pursuing many additional witnesses for testimony. We will reconvene in September to continue laying out our findings to the American people and pushing for accountability. So in other words, I'll be like in a wheelchair in an old age home and they'll say, hey, we have one more hearing on January 6th. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil. Uh, I had to cut you off. We had to go to a quick break there, Phil. But I want to have you continue your thoughts. And also, Phil, what do you make of the fact that uh, the chairman, Benny Thompson, um, said that they may have others? Um, they're clearly dragging this out, I think, as close to Election Day as they can. Yes, precisely. And the more the more they grind this out, the more people are, are affected by it. It's, it's basically sending a message. They're sending a clear-cut message to the American public that, God forbid, you think this way or you participate in these type of rallies, you are, are going to be ruined for life. You'll be arrested. You'll be prosecuted. Meanwhile, it says in the Constitution we have the right to reach us our grievances with government, and this is one way to do it. You see, Rita, the whole bottom line of this thing is if if Pelosi would have agreed and had the National Guard there, even a thousand men, I can guarantee you, guarantee you, this whole January 6th thing would have never come to fruition. This whole situation would have never developed because they would have kept the people back. No one would have been arrested for entering and such. Ashley Babbitt would be alive. But the point is they begged this. They wanted this. They were begging for this. This was their chance to go after Trump. Big time, even if they have to lie through their teeth to do it. 
Yeah, and smear his supporters as much as possible along the way, too. Um, but it is, it's interesting, the fact what John Solomon was saying about the calling, that they wanted it to be peaceful and secure, and that it was Democrats and also Capitol Hill police in discussion with the Democrats, i.e. Nancy Pelosi, uh, that did not want extra security. And you're right. Think about how different that would have been if there was like a line of thousands of National Guards uh, right up uh, right there at the Capitol. That would have been a very different scenario. You're right, Phil. Thank you very much, Phil. Great to have you here. And thanks for waiting. Let's go to Stan on line three. Stan, your thoughts. Yeah, what an interesting conversation. I just finished listening to Congresswoman Cheney. I was waiting to hear a final. She made a great final statement and so forth. That if uh, Kevin McCarthy decided to put people on the committee, which he had a chance, that uh, things would be different. That you know, Attorney General Barr would have changed his story, or Mr. Cipollini would have changed his story, or the others who are all Republican would have changed their story with these people on. Her basic statement was, that would never have happened. Okay, They would have said exactly the same thing. So I congratulate Congresswoman Cheney for a great statement overall. And here's the other point. The Mr. Uh, what was his name? John, what's his name? I'm sorry. Which one? This. Which one? No, you one you, John Solomon. That's his name. Yeah, John Solomon. Solomon. Yes. Mr. Solomon, if you have something, bring it to the committee. They're still taking information and evidence through September. Take it. If you've got it, people are giving new information all the time. Stan, they don't want to stand. They don't want to hear it. Stan, he's putting it out. He is a journalist. He's putting it out. He's putting it out publicly tomorrow. The committee directly. If he has something solid. And you know what they would do, Stan? Sadly. Now it's what they would do. No, Stan, Stan, hang on one second. Burn it or something? I I wouldn't doubt it. Put it this way. That's coming from you. Stan, they have selectively picked comments. You know that. You can delude yourself as you normally do, and the rest of the and Stan, are you can too. Because and guess I don't what? Take meds like you need me. You need electric shock with the rest of the people. You know what? I do after listening to you. I need meds when you need electric shock. Oh, Stan! You know what? It sounds like you took you got a little personal because I Not said after you hung up. I listened to you. But Stan, Stan, I also defend you too because you I know, know what? Very you can, rarely. Very yeah, rarely. But, but I do in those rare circumstances. When we gonna have, when we gonna have lunch? That <laughs> 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 so we can. We can have a couple of wine chases. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, Stan, you are ripping me off because you promised me dinner. You promised me dinner, and now you're reducing it to lunch. If you keep saying meds, I'm going to stick the hot dogs on the street. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, then I might need meds. (laughs) (laughs) You might on that case. But the point is this. The committee, it's not, they're going through September. If they didn't have much left, they wouldn't. So we'll find, let Mr. Solomon, if he has something solid, Give it to them. Approach them directly. And this way, it'll give him more credibility. Just putting it out there doesn't mean nothing. And all Republicans, not Democrats, are testifying. These aren't, these aren't hacks. And Ms. Cheney is not a Democrat wannabe. She's a Republican and I hope she stays one. She's a decent one. Well, she's, a, she's, well she's in trouble by the, well, even yeah, the, even the Republican Colorado. Party. No, yeah. no, not in Colorado. She's actually from Wyoming. So oh, yeah, Wyoming, Wyoming. I'm sorry. She might no, be in I trouble agree. in Colorado, so too, but yeah. that's a different I story. She, no, I am sorry. I didn't, I forgot. She, uh, she's up for re-election and it'll be a difficult. I hope she wins. And I think Mr. Kissinger, is, I'm sorry, Kiss, not Kissinger, Kissinger is, uh, he's not running again. Am I correct on that? 
Yes, but he. Uh, by, by the way, he's not yeah. running for this office. I wouldn't be surprised if he's trying to use it for some other platforms. Governor, governor or something? Yeah, or who knows what. Quickly, Stan. quickly, quickly. Maybe something else. Quickly, just quickly. I, I'm glad the president is okay. I know you've taken shots. I have. I'm glad the president. Oh, is me okay. too. By the way, me too. And it's scary at, and at any age. Quickly, here's the point. Take the vaccine, ladies and gentlemen of this country. If you're older, you've taken it. God bless you for that. If you need to take this vaccine, it won't cure it. It'll stop it and make it very little. They're very important, these vaccines. The president has taken it. The ex-president had it and so forth. So I think it's wonderful that he's getting better, and I hope he does get better. But please... Take the vaccines if they're available to you. Absolutely. No, I listen, I agree. And obviously it's everybody's choice. I did it. I, I did the right. Before I let you go, are you buying champagne at dinner? I just want to find out real quick, Stan. New York champagne. All right. uh, okay. Well, that, that's all right. There's some good champagne I, I, in New York. I, well, we'll have it at uh, that great steakhouse in New York. I'm giving them publicity. Uh, oh, I forgot the name. I forgot the name when I talked. Oh, but, Stan, uh, you got to figure that out. You got to call uh, yeah, back. Otherwise, they'll, we'll throw it the bottle of water for you. <laughs> Have a great night. Thank you, Stan, very much. Everybody will continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. I just got a dinner date. I'll be back after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I would never be cold as ice to any of you, especially Stan. Now that Stan is taking me to dinner. And he just added champagne. So I knew we'd have a kumbaya here on the show, on the Rita Cosby Show. I love hearing from everybody. Everybody has different opinions. And I tell everybody the show is like a town hall. And you are all a part of this show. And we love hearing from you. And that's what makes America great. And that's what I think makes this show great. And one of the things that Liz Cheney just wrapped up in the January 6th hearings She, boy, did she go after President Trump. Now, Stan said he loves Liz Cheney. He said, boy, she's a diehard Republican. Um, I think she's a Democrat wannabe um, who's in desperate trouble right now within her own party. If you look at the polls, she's dying in her polls to get reelected in her own state. She's 20 points behind, I saw in the latest poll. But here is Liz Cheney going after President Trump in her closing remarks just a little bit ago. Donald Trump made a purposeful choice to violate his oath of office, to ignore the ongoing violence against law enforcement, to threaten our constitutional order. There is no way to excuse that behavior. It was indefensible. And every American must consider this. Can a president who is willing to make the choices Donald Trump made during the violence of January 6th ever be trusted with any position of authority in our great nation again. Wow, that is big time stuff like the democracy is at stake. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Arnold on line eight. Arnold, your thoughts about all this, what you heard tonight? Yes, uh, uh, Congresswoman Cheney uh, summed it up for me. If she were in the White House, And she had approached the Congress, the leadership, on several occasions and said, can I provide military help for you? And they said, no, you do not. And then things go wrong. On that day, without their invitation, would you have brought across the Potomac one boot to head to the Capitol? That would have been a real look of insurrection. 
Yeah, that's an interesting point. Now, let me ask you, Arnold, first off, since you're getting into the security point, don't you think that that hurts their argument that President Trump now, according to John Solomon, asked twice that there were two sort of separate meetings where they recounted that the president wanted a secure and safe rally and wanted National Guard there? And we don't know sort of, you know, who was told what or why it didn't happen. According to Solomon, there is some documentation that the Democrats and Capitol Hill police thought it would look overreaching, um, you know, and, and maybe would be insightful to have them there. But, boy, it would have been smart to have them there. Uh, but don't you think it hurts their argument that he wanted this massive riot to take over the halls of Congress? Because you can't do that if you have 10,000 National Guard surrounding it. You can't even do that if you telegraph it three days in advance, <laughs> which uh, he did. Right. He said, I'm, we're going to have a demonstration in front of the Capitol. And uh, they they said, fine, you go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. I still don't know the answer. I mean, we heard from John as to what he says. There's some documentation. I want to see it where it says that the Democrats and Capitol Hill police thought it would look like it was maybe a coup if there was suddenly all this military. And you know what I'm hearkening back as I'm talking to you, Arnold, is also remember when there were problems outside the White House and the president wanted the military called and they said no. They didn't want to have the military because they thought it would look insightful there. It's actually kind of follows the same sort of pattern here and makes a lot of sense. We, the American people, deserve to know. We're going to continue your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment here on The Rita Cosby Show. I love this segment, by the way, because every night we get to honor our great military and their families. And this is a great story coming from Illinois where Bernie Bluestein, one of the last surviving members of a top-secret U.S. Army unit during World War II, was honored over the weekend in his home of Palatine, Illinois. Known as the Ghost Army, the unit will soon be presented with the Congressional Gold Medal. But Bluestein's hometown couldn't wait to celebrate this great hero. He's a lifelong artist and sculptor. Bluestein is now 98 years old, and his unit's mission during World War II wasn't declassified until 1996. Even his own son had no idea what his dad had done during the war. Now, get this. During uh, the war, he was an 18-year-old art student, and he was recruited to be part of a top-secret team of a little over 1,000. Their mission was to use creative tactics to simulate real troops, like putting up rubber tanks that was used by the way during normandy and a whole bunch of other really pivotal uh battles you think about in history and bluestein said yes of course they shelled at us all right uh but mission was accomplished how incredible is that and how beautiful that he and all these others who were part of the quote ghost army now are being recognized for their really pivotal role and will soon be receiving the congressional gold medal. Bravo to him and all our great men and women in the military. I love that every night here on the show, we get to shine a great light on our great, great patriots. Well, one of the things that I think is so important, uh, the level of democracy is that both sides are shown. And so far, 
everything I've seen out of the January 6th hearings. It's been interesting video, powerful stuff. I hate when I hear some of the things that were like threats, uh, you know, to the vice president or to law enforcement, any of those things. But I haven't really heard too many major eye-opening, revealing things. Basically, bad decisions were made. And now that we heard from John Solomon, some bad decisions were made also on the Democratic side, clearly. Um, And also they were showing Josh Hawley giving like a fist bump to the crowd and saying, oh, he riled up the crowd. And then they showed him running out later, hiding later. Does that sound like somebody who was part of a coup? It sounded like he was like, oh, my gosh, people are coming into the Capitol like he was totally flat footed and was running around. So the problem is. You know, there are a lot of things people say that rile up crowds or people interpret and they take it one step too far and do, you know, horrible things and break the laws. But there are also scenes that we saw tonight of a lot of them just kind of milling around in the Capitol. One of the parts that I actually thought was amazing, and I want to get your thoughts on this, guys. They were showing, oh, look how dangerous the things were. And then at one point... They were showing the protesters talking to the police officers and the police officers were like, stand back. And they were standing back. To me, it didn't really look like such an overwhelming coup at that point, an overwhelming riot at that point. I mean, there were other points that were definitely disturbing, but there were other parts that I thought that doesn't really help the Democrats case. And one of the things they brought up, they said over and over again on these That pivotal time, they're talking about like a three-hour period where President Trump, they say, was aware that things were getting unruly at the Capitol to when he actually finally came out and made a statement in the Rose Garden telling people to go home. He had already tweeted that, too, by the way. But one of the things they said that so many people were pleading with the president because they were seeing the images on television and things unfolding and things chaotic. I remember that day was like, wow, oh, my gosh, when you saw what was happening. It was just, you know, it was alarming. And people were calling Mark Meadows and saying over and over again, please tell the president to to make a statement, to do something, to tell them to go home. Here is Pat Cipollone. He is the at the time the White House counsel. And this is him recounting some of the people who were making those claims that day and saying, you know, that the president needs to do something. Take a listen. You continue Cipollone, throughout the period of time up until 417, continue, you and others, to push for a stronger state. Yes. Were you joined in that effort by Ivanka Trump? Yes. Eric Hershey? Yes. By Mark Meadows? Yes. So the list went on and on, and there were a lot of people who said, make a statement. One of the things was interesting, um, this other woman who testified today, Sarah Matthews, the deputy, said that there were some people, there was a colleague of hers that she said, said that he shouldn't make a statement. That I thought was interesting. She just kind of said it in her testimony, said that he shouldn't make a statement because then the press will win. The press will use it against him because the press was so adversarial, as we know, to President Trump. So that was interesting. So it wasn't like President Trump was alone and not wanting to make a statement right away. And maybe he was trying to figure out what was going on at this time. We don't know exactly what he said. We know that They were showing what was showing on different TVs and on Fox News. But is there a video of him specifically watching each of those frames that they were showing us? And some of the things they were showing were scenes from inside the Capitol that we, the public, didn't see till later, as I believe. That we didn't see until later. Some of them were live coverage. There was live reports from reporters outside. But a lot of it was like 
here's what's going on in the Capitol at that time. Well, President Trump wasn't in the Capitol. He didn't know what was going on. I wasn't in the Capitol that time. I don't know what was going on. Did you know what was going on exactly? I mean, we found out a lot more details later. So it's easy to kind of play Monday morning quarterback and say at 4 this, 2 p.m. this happened. But it wasn't like he had like a telescope and was looking inside the halls of Congress and able to see all the things. So that's why I, I, it still is a, is, there's a lot of gray areas here, guys. And when you're talking about the president of the United States or you're talking about somebody, anybody, they deserve due process. And that's where I'm coming from. And again, it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle they're on. But boy, if you listen to Congresswoman Loria, this is a Democrat of Virginia. Boy, uh, she said this is like she compared him basically to like worse than Putin, worse than Hezbollah, worse than the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. This is how she summed it up today. When I entered the U.S. Naval Academy at age 17, I spent two decades on ships at sea defending our nation from known and identifiable foreign enemies who sought to do us harm. I never imagined that that enemy would come from within. I never imagined the enemy would come from within. That everything that these riders did, the ones who, you know, crossed property and were battling it out with with law enforcement, were Trump's fault. Even though in Trump's statement he says, you know, you have to respect law and order. Go home. Be peaceful. We have to have peace. I mean, where are we missing? You know, I mean, it wasn't perfect. By far, there were things that definitely could have been better. But bad judgment again, and maybe withholding and poor judgment is not what we're talking about here. But it is what the Democrats are trying to create now into a crime. Does it rise to that? Well, take a listen. If that's the case, and if you're going to say incendiary language, or in the president's case, lack thereof, Stopping the people lack thereof of making a statement uh, not right away and not exactly as the speechwriters want him to write that that's to blame. Then what about Maxine Waters? What about when she said this? And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. I mean, that sure sounds like riled up. So what if somebody after that speech went out and did something to somebody, you know, because Maxine Waters told them that they weren't welcome? I I mean, that's not. And we played Chuck Schumer before, too. I mean, some of the comments that Chuck Schumer said are unbelievable. Um, let's play first off, let's play a little bit more Maxine Waters. And then I want to play Chuck Schumer again to remind you. But here's Maxine Waters after Roe v. Wade. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. Oh, we're going to show them that we will defy the Supreme Court. That's like, we'll go after the White House. How is that not insurrectionist language? And what about, again, Chuck Schumer? Because who could forget, Brett Kavanaugh has had protests outside his home almost every night. He had a guy who was planning 
to kill him. And that came a few months, I think it was, about since this comment, or maybe it was a little bit more, since Chuck Schumer said this. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Wow. I mean, listen, I don't think because he makes a very incendiary comment that he should be responsible for the guy who was planning to murder Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, this is a really dangerous slope when you have a president who says, go home peacefully, be, you know, uh, respect law and order. I'm reading some of these lines that he said, and they think that that wasn't enough. And you just heard Chuck Schumer. No problem with Chuck Schumer. No problem with Maxine Waters. But there's a problem with President Trump telling people to go home, albeit a little late that day, for sure. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Susan. Line two. Susan, your thoughts. Okay. Well, listen, this whole um, show trial, if if they actually bring um, indictment against President Trump, when there is, it will show the total lack of due process, the total farce. And I, I don't want to see President Trump go through this. He does not deserve this. It, uh, but it, uh, this will bring out even a bigger landslide because this is outrageous. And that um, so even if he did a tweet, what proof is that that people saw it? How could he how could there be any proof? Uh, that um, no matter what he did, why didn't Nancy Pelosi and the mayor there, why didn't they step up and do what they were supposed to do? How could he do anything that late in the day to get um, any kind of he, he begged for it? He begged for more security. Right. And These guess what? And, and Susan, delusional. Susan, we're not even hearing that. That's the sad thing. And as we just heard tonight, from John Solomon, who has always been uh, a great investigative journalist. I thought what John had was explosive, that he has uh, details of a meeting and a memo with Milley and the defense secretary, General Milley, and then the defense secretary, Chris Miller, talking about how President Trump wanted it to be secure and safe and a peaceful rally. And that was a second meeting. So now we know that President Trump at least repeatedly asked for safety and security, and for some reason did not get it. So, you know, I mean, to me, I agree with you. There are so That, that to me, uh, he's the worst planning coup operator if that's the case, you know, because you don't plan a coup and then ask for thousands of National Guards. And for some reason, they didn't show. And just like you said, we deserve to know why they didn't come. Uh, now we hear it from two different meetings And it's in documentation, and there were a number who were at the other meeting that have said it publicly, that they did attend this meeting, that Trump did say it. So you've got multiple meetings, and the Democrats or or Capitol Hill police, for whatever reason, why are they not being called? I mean, that to me, because you know why? Because that would poke a hole in this entire January 6th hearing. And in the meantime, 
we're dealing with the economy, we're dealing with the border, we're dealing with crime. Biden's dealing with abysmal poll numbers, and he's trying to do whatever he can and drag this out till September. And they are spending millions upon millions of taxpayer dollars and their time and effort where they should be focused on serious issues. Because if they don't have both sides in there, American public is not getting the full story. Uh, and that, that to me is a real travesty, Susan. That's a real, it is a disservice to America. Go ahead, Susan. Well, yes, and this is just going to become more obvious. This is, uh, how can you not have a cross-examination? How can someone be indicted without that kind of cross-examination? This is a complete farce. Yeah, and and, and the by the way, the attorney. By the way, you know this attorney general, Susan. I wouldn't count it that he that he wouldn't do it because he's shown to be highly political. He he made comments after Roe v. Wade um, because that was what he felt at the time. You know, obviously he's allowed to say whatever he wants to say. Made comments about protesters protecting them, but he didn't say anything about Kavanaugh. Um, at the time, and he especially hasn't arrested people outside Kavanaugh's house. So he's clearly played sides. And he also went after, remember, parents, that whole thing with calling them domestic terrorists and then claimed that they didn't know how it came about from, uh, remember, it was like the education group. And then it turned out the education group kind of got guidance, it looked like, from, you know, uh, from DOJ. I mean, there were all these things that really show there's a lot of politics, even at the DOJ. So I don't rule it out that they're going to take this and say, oh, well, this shows X. I mean, if they're going to go after parents, why not go after President Trump, too, again? This is worse than politics. This is absolute uh, 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 upheaval of everything that we uh, have rights to. This is just ridiculous. And I, if they go forward then I just think we have to mobilize, mobilize, mobilize. Well, and I think a lot of it is, Susan, um, and I want to play Cut 69 because this is Liz Cheney um, at the end. I think she tipped her hand to exactly um, what I think is the motivation for a lot of this. Um, Because take a listen, first of all, this is 68, actually. This is her saying at the very end what she sort of says is her reason for this. Donald Trump made a purposeful choice to violate his oath of office, to ignore the ongoing violence against law enforcement, to threaten our constitutional order. There is no way to excuse that behavior. It was indefensible. And every American must consider this. Can a president who is willing to make the choices Donald Trump made during the violence of January 6th ever be trusted with any position of authority in our great nation again. All right. So that's exactly, Susan, what it's about. She does not want him to run again. Can can we ever trust a president who made these choices to be in a place of authority again? That's clearly what it's all about. They are so worried about Donald Trump running again and galvanizing crowds, they see the huge rallies that he still has, and they are worried, and they just want to knock him out of the political chess game. Real quick, Susan. Listen, you know what? She sounds like the night of the living dead. She can't read. She is just like a drone. I, I can't even. Uh, who would ever give her 
any credibility. She is so tainted. She can't get out fast enough. Susan, thank you very much for the call. We'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the January 6th hearings. And if you haven't heard enough, well, Benny Thompson says they have still more witnesses And also Liz Cheney said uh, that she believes they'll have a little break for August and then they're going to come back in September. How convenient is that? Because, boy, the closer and closer they can get to Election Day for the midterms, they think that this will help them. I mean, this is going to drag on. I said I'm probably going to be like, you know, uh, in a wheelchair playing bingo somewhere, you know. When they're going to be like, here's our 5,816th January 6th hearing. Oh, my gosh. 1-800-848-9222. I'm pretty good at bingo, by the way. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side. Uh, how are you, Rita? You remember when Pelosi ripped up those pay, pay, papers, you know, that uh, she was given? Well, that's the exact opposite thing that she did. In other words, when Trump asked for uh, for backing because he was uh, he feared for everybody that went there to support him, he feared for his wife, he feared for everybody, he feared, you know uh, because he he feared for them rushing him and taking away the keys. Okay, uh, but she and, and by the way, by the way, if we can prove that she indeed turned it down, you know, Mike. I agree with you because that that opens the door to a lot of stuff, you know, that if we can prove that indeed, you know, she turned it down or Capitol Hill turned it down. Uh, according to John Solomon, there's evidence that the Democrats didn't want it to look overbearing. And it reminded me of outside the White House where they didn't want to remember the troops outside the White House when um, he wanted to walk across. Remember that whole deal? And it was like, oh, he wanted to call the the National Guard out on the protests, and they didn't like it because it looked overbearing. They thought it sent a wrong message. Maybe it was the same psychology that they were using by not giving the troops that he wanted at Capitol Hill. And boy, does that just put a big, like, poop in their whole balloon theory about January 6th. Let's go to Larry, line three. Larry, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, I might have just as prominent a voice as Stan, who's on the wrong side of things. And Wait, Larry, you're dropping off. That. Larry, you're dropping off. Get closer to your phone. Go ahead. Just, I want to have just as prominent voice as Stan, who gets to talk as much as he wants, and he's on the wrong side. Okay? Listen to me. We're on the defensive here, and we should not be on the defensive. You don't know what you're dealing with. Larry, Larry, you got it. Larry, do me a favor. Call back. Larry, call back because you have a bad connection, and I will take you. Call back. Please give us a call back. Let's go to David in Brooklyn in the meantime. David, uh, go ahead, Dave. Hi. Uh, i just like to say from the point of view of somebody who was there, I was there January 6th, and none of what they make out to say was the actual truth. So what is the truth? What's the truth, David? The truth is that the only thing that we heard, we weren't watching TV, we weren't at home, we weren't watching uh, 20 or 30 people rallying up uh, a crowd. What we saw was hundreds of thousands of people who were told to 
peacefully and patriotically go to the Capitol and show your, you know, that you're protesting. And that's all we did. And when we got there, we didn't even know that there was any violence that had gone on because the, the, the time that it took by the time that Trump was finished speaking, which was about at 1.15 or so, by the time we walked down to the Capitol, it was already about 2.30, 3.30 in the afternoon. That's interesting, we, David. That's interesting because, you know, and I pointed that out today. They were showing some of the things that were going on from inside, but we don't know who saw what at the time. And when things break and chaos... You don't know what's happening. There are still so many unanswered questions. We're going to talk about this tomorrow night, too. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.